0: All right, so this, as you, I'm sure, can guess, this is an hourglass, and it is measured out for an hour, and you probably have seen the smaller ones that are measured out for 60 seconds or 30 seconds for these games that you get. This one's measured out for an hour, and I want to use this hourglass to to make an important point uh, with our sermon today. And uh, what I thought would be the most powerful way to do that, the most memorable way uh, to make that point stick, is to turn that over, and we're going to sit here for an hour, and we're just going to watch that sand go from the top to the bottom in silence. I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. Honestly, though, how, how many, if, if we did that, we're not going to, you don't have to get up and leave, if, if, if we did that, how many of you think you could, be honest, how many of you think you could stay engaged for an entire hour, just sitting here in silence, watching the sand slowly go from the top of the glass to the bottom, stay fully engaged? Do you think, you do, all right, I couldn't trip. I couldn't stay engaged uh, that long. Watching the, uh, the sand go from the top, I would, I know that my mind would wander. I know that uh, my thoughts would go somewhere else at some point throughout that at, at that hour. Uh, to, to sit here and watch sand drip, that's like watching paint dry or your grass grow, right? Uh, to not have your mind drift or to daydream somewhere else. But we're not going to do that. <clears throat> This visual illustration, though, of the, of the sand and the hourglass, and hopefully even the tension of wondering, is this weirdo really going to make us sit here and watch an hourglass for an hour? Uh, th- between those two things, this moment that we just shared together, this last two minutes or whatever it's been, hopefully, I, probably for most of us, we've been engaged for the last two minutes. The truth is, the reality is that some of you are not going to stay engaged for the next 30 minutes, not fully engaged, not fully present for the next 30 minutes. And it doesn't matter what I do or what I say or how I say it, that's just the reality of, of uh, how our minds have a difficulty staying present, staying engaged fully in whatever we are doing, in whatever uh, is whatever's in front of us or whoever we are with. And if we were being honest, some might even say, you know what, the the last 30 minutes that we've been together, I haven't been fully present, I haven't been fully engaged through the singing, through the announcements. You would be surprised, I think, uh, how many times I get phone calls or text messages, uh, probably not after I just say this, I probably won't get any more, but... Uh, you would be surprised how many times people reach out and say, hey, when is such and such? When's this happening? Or when is this? Well, we we have it on the wall. We uh, have it on the fridge notes. It was on the screen uh, looping for 30 minutes, and it was in the announcements. I don't know. Maybe maybe, uh, we could go back and find it in one of those things. People aren't always fully engaged. They're not always fully present, even if they're in the room. And I think it even gets harder uh, when we're at home. I remember uh, back in 2020 when we had the the shutdown, uh, trying to worship with my family in the living room. It was super hard. My family irritated me, to be quite honest with you. Uh, It was one of those things where it just wasn't the best environment to be able to worship. This is so much better. I'm, I understand it's, it's necessary and uh, it's helpful for some, and we're glad that we can do it, but this is better. This is just better. And uh, even, even if I was able to capture your attention for a moment with this hourglass uh, illustration and an absurd threat of boredom, Some of you are not going to be able to stay engaged for the next 30 minutes. Your your heart, your mind is going to float somewhere else. And it could be uh, you might get a text message or you might uh, want to make a text message. Or some of you are going to want to check your social media. Can't possibly wait until you get into the car. It's got to happen right now. Uh, Some of you are going to be thinking about your schedule for the week. You're going to be thinking about... Uh, the snow that's coming, you know, Snowmageddon's coming, and we, uh, we're going to have to dig ourselves out, and what's for lunch, and, and they've got this test on Tuesday, and we've got this doctor's appointment this week, and you're worried about uh, those kind of things. Or maybe you're, maybe you're sitting here at some point, over the next 30 minutes, you'll be sitting here and you'll be f- more focused on someone who's two rows in front of you, like, what is that weirdo doing? Like, I don't understand what, what's happening up there. Uh, sometimes things distract us, and our minds and our hearts are not where our feet are. If you're like, well, maybe, Pastor, if you'd pick better songs and preach better, maybe we'd be able to stay better engaged. Maybe. But being engaged in the moment, being being fully present in the moment, uh, it's it's hard for me too. It's hard for us. Uh, to just be present no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, no matter who we're with. And it's been proven. uh, Harvard did a study back in 2010 of this very thing. And uh, Harvard University found in this study that 47% of the time, like when you're awake, when I'm awake, 47% of the time, our mind, our mind is not where our feet are almost half the time, that we're awake and conscious. Our minds are wondering. We're not paying attention. We are not fully engaged with whatever is right in front of us. And this was interesting, too. Uh, they, they also discovered in the process, I don't know if they were looking for this, but what they, what they discovered was uh, that that mind-wandering didn't make the person more happy. It didn't make the person more satisfied or content. In other words, uh, even though whatever it was uh, it, it, that they were experiencing wasn't something that captured their engagement or their full attention and their mind wanted to be somewhere else, that still didn't help. It didn't make them feel happier or, or more content. And I actually experienced that even this week. I went to, I went to a ministerium meeting, uh, ministerium meetings uh, in the West Penn. There's about 20, 25 guys that come to these pastors, come to these meetings, and they have them in different churches uh, in our district, and uh, they're really good. Uh, I, I love going to them, and, and I'm engaged for almost all of it. We pray together. We, we share different things going on in our ministries. Uh, it's, it's a good time together, and I really am fully present for most of it until we get to the business meeting kind of stuff. And I just, I really struggle to stay engaged, to stay present, to stay focused during that time. My mind wanders. I miss things that are said. And, and what, I, what I realize is even though all of that disengagement happens in that moment and I want to be somewhere else, I'm thinking about what I'm doing next instead of what we're talking about, uh, it, it doesn't change my circumstance. It's, uh, it doesn't make me feel less bored. It doesn't make me feel more happy to be in my mind somewhere else. Check this verse out from Psalm 118, verse 24. It says this, This is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. There's a decision there, right? There's a, there's a conscious decision choice being made to recognize that this day, that this moment is the one that God has made for us, and uh, and we're going to react to it with a conscious decision of rejoicing and being glad in this moment, in this day. Have you ever wondered why it is so hard for us to be engaged to be present in the moment and and just be focused on what's in front of us. And some of us, you know, um, some of us don't don't think that deeply about our lives. Here's another question that we probably don't think as deeply about as we should. Have you ever wondered if that's even a problem? Like maybe you recognize the the fact that it's hard for you to be engaged and be present in the moment, uh, but maybe you've never thought deeply about is that even a problem? Is that even an issue that, that uh, we should try to change? And here's why it's a problem. The problem with, with not being present, the problem with, I'll, I'll describe it this way, as fast-forwarding, trying in our minds to fast-forward to better days, to uh, something better than what we're experiencing right now in this moment, is that we miss blessings, We miss opportunities that are right here, right now, right in front of us when we do that, and that's a problem. This year has been what I would describe as a banner year in in some sense for Angie and I as parents. Uh, Our daughter, Hannah, turned 20 years old, so we have a child in their 20s now. Our son, Elijah, turned 18 last Sunday, so now that means we have two children that are adults, and then our youngest daughter turned 16, she hit that milestone, which is, you know, kind of a, uh, a milestone that we kind of mark where, you know, oh man, we've got a 16-year-old, and, and so this all happened within a span since November, a pretty short span, and it's just been kind of one of those, you know, kicky-in-the-face-year-old kind of years for Angie and I escape it we're just getting older and, and that's happening Angie and I have looked at each other over the last several months and more than once have said to each other how, how did this how did this happen so quickly how, how do we you know we just those of you who have grown children you'll relate to this it's like you you can remember when you were holding your children in your arms, and it just, it goes like that. People tell you it's gonna go quickly. Those of you who have young children, and people I'm sure have said to you, don't blink, it goes quickly. It's true, and uh, I don't know how that happens or how time ex- feels like it accelerates, but uh, we've said to each other, how did, this, how did this go by so quickly? But one of the things that Angie and I have uh, intentionally fought back against throughout the 20 years, and I think part of it is just going through different experiences uh, where you realize that life goes quickly and that you don't, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. We've been through some of those experiences in life, and so I think that's helped. Uh, but something that we have fought back against over the past 20 years is this temptation to fast forward in life, to fast forward in life. We have fought really hard to be present in the moment. We have fought really hard to stay engaged in every season, to not try to jump ahead. You know, sometimes there's this temptation that first year where your baby's a year old or not quite a year old, and you just, you can't sleep because they won't shut up at night. And you're just, if we can just get through this year, if we can just get past this year where they won't sleep, life will be better. Uh, And then it's the diapers, right? If we just, oh, can we just get past the thousand diapers a week uh, season of life and and then life will life will be better uh, some of you maybe uh, try to jump ahead you're I don't know where you would be in life where where you're wondering and wishing for retirement like some of you you're in retirement and you know what's next right No, I'm just kidding uh, uh, <laughs> but but there's this there's this portion of life when uh some of us are tempted to wish for retirement. Dream, what's retirement going to be like? and Angie and I have really fought hard against that. And I'm not telling you that we're perfect at it. I'm not telling you that it's easy. I'm just saying that we've been intentional about it. We remind each other not to play the when-then game. The when-then game. You know, when I, when I finally graduate from high school. Can't wait to graduate from high school so I can go to college. Life's going to be so much better when I get to college. I just want to get through this high school experience and, and get to the next thing. And then you go to college, and it's hard. College is hard, and you're like, man, I can't wait. When I'm, when I'm done with college, I'm going to get this, this job, and life's going to be so much better. And you get through college, and you get that first job, and then, then you realize, oh, uh, I don't start out at the salary that my parents are at after 30 years. That's not how it works. Well, I can't wait until until I get a better paying job. I'm going to put my dues in, and, and when I finally get a better job, then I'll have a better house. Then I'll have a better car. Then life will be good. When we have kids, then life will be good. When the kids are finally grown up and out of the house, then life will be better. When we have grandkids, then life will be better. When we retire, life will be better. The -the win-then game. And when you find yourself always wishing for better days to come, when you find yourself fast-forwarding your life and you're more focused on what's out there and what's next and... and. uh, And you're missing the moments that are right in front of you. You're missing these blessings. You're missing these opportunities that are right here, right now, because your mind is not where your feet are. When that happens, there's this point at which hopefully you think to yourself, there's got to be a better way. There must be a better way to live than this. And there is. The good news is, and we're discovering this throughout this series, there is. It's the way of Jesus. So if you would, open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 11. This has been our theme passage throughout this series, A Better Way, The Way of Jesus. And we've rooted this series here in this text in Matthew chapter 11 in verse 28. Verse 28 Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And we spent a couple weeks just talking about the the words there, this idea of being exhausted, this idea of being uh, worn out and uh, stressed out because there's too much on the schedule or because you have a lot of things bouncing around in your mind and it's stressing you out and and you're worried about this and you're worried about that. And Jesus says, if this is where you're at, you're tired, you're worn out, you're stressed out, you're exhausted emotionally, spiritually, whatever. He says, come to me and I'll give you rest. And the idea of rest that Jesus is talking about is not that of taking a nap for the afternoon. It's the idea of spiritual, emotional contentment and peace and satisfaction. This peace at the heart level, that's the kind of rest that he's describing he says, that's what, I'm, that's what I can give you if you come to me. And, and then he gives us this farming illustration of taking, he says, take my yoke upon you, which is a farming illustration of two animals that are connected together with this thing called a yoke. It's usually a wooden piece of, uh, piece of wood that connects around their necks. But uh, in the farming illustration, these two animals, they have to walk together. They have to walk in the same direction. They have to walk at the same pace. And Jesus is saying, connect your life to my life. Walk with me through life. Walk at my pace. Walk in the direction I'm walking. Connect your life to my life. And then he says this. This will be the phrase we're going to talk about today. Let me teach you. Let me teach you a better way to walk through life. Let me teach you a better way to live. And then he describes himself this way. He says, I'm humble. I'm gentle at heart. You'll find rest for your souls. You want to find rest and peace and comfort and satisfaction and contentment at the heart level? Connect your life to my life and walk with me. Let me teach you how to do life. He says, my yoke is easy to bear. The burden that I give you is life. Let me teach you. I was thinking about all the different things that Jesus taught and the examples uh, that we can see and the way that he lived his life. And uh, one of the passages that I think uh, best describes what Jesus taught about how we can live life when when we have this this tension, this struggle of not being able to be present in the moment or not engaged in the moment because we're always thinking about what's next or we're thinking... Uh, uh, about sometime in the future when things are going to be better than they are right now. One of the best passages that have that have helped me in that has been Matthew chapter six. Uh, so if you join me in Matthew chapter six, when Jesus talks about not worrying, he gave us this instruction <clears throat> about not getting so focused on worrying about what's next and what's tomorrow and what if this happens. And he starts out in, in verse 19 to 24. He's talking about making sure that we keep our treasure, our heart treasures, the things that matter to us, that it's focused on what matters in eternity, not right now, that we don't get focused on the stuff uh, and, and money and, 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 and more accumulation of goods. And so he says you can't serve two masters in verse 24. You can't serve both God and money. And in the context of all of that, We want to jump into verse 25. He says, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you've got enough food and drink, enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They they don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them, and aren't you far more valuable to God than they are? And I love verse 27. It's, it's such a powerful, uh, kind of rattle you type of verse. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? It's a pretty profound question. And, and of course, the answer is no. Uh, you can worry all you want, and it's not going to change what's going to happen. That's not how change happens. You can, you can worry and fret and wonder and play the what-if game and, uh, and, and think that somehow that that's going to conform the universe under your submission. It's, it doesn't work that way. And worrying add a single hour, a single moment to your life, and the answer is, of course, no. And then he goes on. He says, why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They, they don't work or make their clothing. And yet Solomon, in all of his glory, Solomon, if you don't know, was a king, one of the wealthiest kings that have ever (laughs) walked the planet, and obviously was dressed really well, and and, uh, as beautifully as he was dressed, was not dressed as beautifully as these flowers in the field. And who does that? God does that. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wild flowers that are here today, and then tomorrow they're thrown into the fire, Will he not certainly care for you? Why do you have such little faith? Boy, that one's a rattling question too, isn't it? Jesus is is confronting us with this issue of worry in our lives and playing the what-if game in our minds and in our hearts and worrying about tomorrow and worrying about what if this happens, what if that happens, what's coming next? Am I going to have enough of this? Am I going to be able to survive that? And, and he brings it back to this, what, what's wrong with your faith? Your faith needs to grow. If you're stuck in this pattern of worry and walking through life in fear, your faith needs to grow. There's something that is, that is holding down or, or, or uh, holding, pressing down on your faith that needs to change. It comes back and then in verse 31, so don't worry about these things, saying, what do we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, people that don't have the hope and and the courage to know that when they walk through life that God's walking with them, to know that Jesus wants to walk and, and, and have our lives connected to His life and walk with us through life. Unbelievers don't have that hope, don't have access to that courage and confidence so it makes sense that their lives, that their minds would be dominated with worry and fear. It shouldn't be true of the believer. He says here, your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. So what do we do? If we're not to be walking through life fearful, if we're not to be dominated, uh, our mind dominated with, with uh, worry and, and anxiety and what ifs, If it's not to be that, so what what do we focus on? Well, verse 31, he says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Stay focused on the will of God. Live righteous lives, and he'll give you everything you need. Just stay focused on that. Just live live a righteous life. Please, God, uh, figure out what he wants you to do today. Do that. Stay focused on that, and let God take care of the rest. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. And it finishes with this. Today's trouble is enough for today. Just be in this moment. What's right in front of us right now, that's enough. Let's just deal with whatever it is that's in front of us, and, and let's be present in that. Let's engage in that. And even if it's not fun or exciting or even if it's hard, be present in it. Be engaged in it. Tomorrow will come. Now, I want you to notice just... Just to clarify, Jesus is not telling us not to plan. Jesus does not say, don't plan for tomorrow. What's Jesus say? He says, don't worry about tomorrow. And those are two different things. It's not sinful to plan ahead, to have a retirement savings. There's nothing wrong with that. Jesus is saying, don't worry about. I don't know if uh, how how closely you watch markets, those of you who have retirement savings plans. How many of you kind of watch that uh, closely enough to the point where uh, when it dips that you have a bad day? Uh, it's not it's wrong to, to, to plan for the future. It's wrong to worry about the future. And it's so tempting to think that our best days are yet to come, but the way of Jesus is, is to, to, to say to ourselves, remind ourselves, no, the, the best days are right now. Our best days are right now. Let's make the most of this moment right now. Let's be present. Let's be fully engaged in this moment right now. And I'm just going to be very specific about this moment that that we are sharing together. This moment matters. This moment that we have together right now with the Lord, this this matters. This is a time where where God wants your attention. He, He wants... He wants to teach us something in His Word. He He wants to grab the attention of our hearts, and maybe there's something in our lives that He wants to change. Maybe maybe there's a burden that you've been dragging around that He wants to lift from your life, and just encourage your heart that He's got this. Maybe there's something in your in your life that uh, that you that you've been dragging around of guilt or shame or. Or worry and he's like this is the moment that i just want to remind you that i love you and if you're somewhere else if your mind and your heart is somewhere else there's a good chance you might miss what god wanted to do maybe in a song that we sang or in in a scripture verse that we're looking at you could miss it and it's not just here in this moment It's every day. It's it's every day, all day. Ephesians 2.10, I just have, there's lots of verses like this. I'm just going to give you three quick samples of verses that talk about making the most of the opportunities that God places before us every day. Ephesians 2.10 is is one of the the best ones. Uh, Reminds us that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Do you understand that that's, God created you specifically, to do specific good works, and it goes on to say God prepared these good works in advance for us to do. The good works that God has prepared and planned for you, they're not the ones that he's planned and prepared for me. They're different. And if if we go through our day and we're not fully engaged in what's right in front of us, it's very likely that we could miss the opportunity that God has placed in our path because we're somewhere else. Our mind is not where our feet are. We can miss it. Ephesians 5, 15 and 17, be careful, very careful how you live. Live, Don't live as unwise. Live as as someone who's got wisdom. Make the most of every opportunity. And I love that Paul includes after the comma, he says, because the days are evil. I, I think sometimes uh, we make excuses for ourselves. Things are so bad. Uh, life's so hard. There's so much evil in the world. I just, I just want to you know, uh, look forward to heaven, and I, I just, uh, I'm going to kind of check out, and I'm going to keep my head down and, and just wait for Jesus to take me home, and I'm going to always be thinking about heaven. Yeah, things are tough. Things are hard in the world. It's a broken world, and there's lots of sinful, horrible things that happen in our broken world. He says here, make the most of every opportunity. That's that's wise living. Don't be foolish. Understand what the Lord's will is. What's God want me to do today? What does God want for me in this moment? And do that. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. That Colossians 4 or 5, I love this one too. Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. It's not just about what happens in our church family. It's about when we're out in the community, make the most of every opportunity. Every day, all day, God has opportunities and blessings prepared for you specifically. For you to make an impact in the lives of people that He, in His sovereignty, has placed into your life, onto your path that day, in that moment. People that you go to school with, people that you work with, people that you might meet at the store, people in your home. And if our mind, if our heart is not where our feet are, there's a pretty good chance that we're gonna miss a blessing, that we're gonna miss an opportunity. You know, that boring part of the ministerium meeting I was telling you about, I was struggling uh, to stay engaged. For about 15 minutes, uh, there were some guys that were going back and forth uh, having this discussion on how to uh, precisely word a motion. You know what a motion is? Like when you have a business meeting, someone makes a motion, you know, we should do this, and then someone has to, I second it, and then there's discussion, and and then they all vote on it, right? That's kind of how a, a business or a board meeting works. And uh, so there was this motion that was made, and then there was like this back and forth between some guys that wanted to get the wording exactly right for 15 minutes. And I was thinking about, man, I, 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 was, I was somewhere else. Um, but here's, here's the problem with that. I almost missed it. Now I I came back, and uh, the Lord just kind of convicted my heart over this. But I almost missed the blessing about what that motion was about. You know what? Here's the motion. The motion was about uh, there's a church in Johnstown, down in the Connemaw Valley area. This church in Johnstown that uh, I won't tell you the denomination, but their their denomination. Uh, has been moving more and more liberal, away from the truth of the Word of God, and they had had enough. The, the, the followers of Jesus in that church said, we're not, we're not in sync with where our denomination is, is headed, and, and we need to make a change. And so what they were asking was to become part of the Karis Fellowship family. Our church is a church uh, that is connected to, we are in relationship with uh, a global family of churches known as the Karis Fellowship. Karis is is Greek for grace. And uh, so we have churches all over the world and we're part of that family. And they said, we would like to be part of the Karis Fellowship family of churches. And uh, so they're going through the process of that from our national headquarters down and, and there's part of that that has to do with the district. Now here's what's really cool about it. I almost miss the excitement and the blessing of, of, of what that means. That means that there's a group of Jesus followers out there that says, We're gonna do we're gonna do the hard thing. We, we wanna stay true to the word of God, and we're not just gonna go along with where culture is 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 moving uh, and, and we're gonna do do some hard things. Because, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the truth of the word of God. That's pretty amazing, right? And, and, and to, to miss that blessing in that moment, just because I was bored over the precision. I was like, you know, guys, just write, we said two thumbs up. Just write that down. And I almost missed it. You remember our hourglass here? Some of you are like, Yeah. Uh, I've been watching that hourglass this whole time. I didn't hear a word you just said, right? Uh, I've been watching that hourglass. I want you to I want you to look at the hourglass, and and I want you to go with me to James chapter four, because there's something else we need to talk about when it comes to being present in the moment and making the most of the opportunities that we have been given. We've been given this opportunity together in this moment. And we're not guaranteed the next breath, let alone guaranteed tomorrow. And that's what this passage in James is about. James chapter 4, verse 13, says, Look here, or listen up, you who say today or tomorrow, we are going to a certain town and and we will stay there a year. We will do business there and we will make a profit. And he asked this question, how do you know what your life is? will be like tomorrow. And some of you in the room know exactly what that means. Some of you, uh, you, you have gone through life and you have experienced something in your life where things were kinda going along like this and then bam, you got a phone call, you got a knock at the door, you got someone that said, hey, we need to talk, and everything changed like that. You know what this means, right? You get this. You don't know what tomorrow is going to look like. It might seem like this is where we're headed, and this is what we're going to do, and, and then something happens, and it, and it turns all of it upside down. And, and James is saying here, you, you, don't, you don't know what your life will be like tomorrow. Your life is like the morning fall. Gets here a little while, and then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or do that. Otherwise, you're just boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. Our lives, the, the point here is our, our, our lives are kind of like when you breathe on the window of your car on a cold day like today, and it fogs up, and then that fog disappears, dissipates and disappears and you can watch that fog fade and our lives are like that that's what Paul's or what James is describing here our our lives are like this hourglass except we don't know how much is on top now here we can look at it and I guess we're about halfway through there right but in real life we we don't know we kind of hope that there's 80 or 90 years worth of sand up here we don't know we don't know how much sand is on top. And the other thing about the hourglass when we look at it is once once the sand goes from here to here, it doesn't go the other direction. Like, if I wanted to, I could flip this and make the sand go the other direction, right? That doesn't work like that in life. Once the sand goes from here to here, it's at the bottom and it stays there. It doesn't go the other direction. And And all of those things that go to the bottom of the glass, if we missed an opportunity, if we missed a blessing, if we weren't fully engaged and fully present in that moment, we don't get to go back and relive it. This is the day that the Lord has made. And so we've got to make a conscious decision every day to rejoice and be glad in it, to be present in it, to be engaged in it. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. What if, what if we walk through our day like we really believe that? What if, what if we were present in every moment? What if, what if we were fully engaged in every conversation because we believed by faith that this really is the day, that this really is the moment that God has made and purposed for us? And it deserves our full attention. It deserves our full focus. It's possible that someone in the room, it's possible that someone on the other side of that camera today is far from God, and you're searching for truth. You're searching for something more than whatever it is that you've been experiencing, and, and you've been looking around, and, and, and God, in His, in His grace, has brought you here to this moment and he's and, and and there's been a lot of things that have kind of been happening and bumping around in your life to the point where you're like I I, I need truth, I need answers. I'll I'll try this. And you're here. You're listening. I want you to listen carefully to 2 Corinthians 6:2. It says this, for he talking about God, says, "...in the time of my favor I heard you. In the day of salvation I helped you." Now, that part is a quote from an Old Testament prophet named Isaiah. And he was talking about how God helped the, the Israelites in their time of need. And he quotes that, and then he says this, "...I tell you, now is the time of God's favor." God showed favor to them in the past... And he helped them in their time of need. And he says, that, that that desire for God to help you now in this moment, that hasn't changed. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Now. And maybe that's why you're here today. Maybe, maybe that's why the things that have been going on in your life have uh, kind of... Brought your heart and mind to this place where you're like, I, I don't know what else to do. I don't know what else to try. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll try this church that my friend talked about. And maybe that's why you're here, to hear that God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son. To earth, to, to die as a sacrifice for your sin. So that you could be forgiven. So that you could be made right with God. So that you could have the assurance of eternal life. Maybe that's why you're here in this moment. So that you could hear that your life can be transformed at the heart level. That you can see life differently. That you can, that you can live life differently differently. In a way that brings peace and contentment and, and comfort and satisfaction and, and courage. Which we collectively as believers, as followers of Jesus say, please don't miss this opportunity that God is giving you right now. There's a, a button on our website that says, I'm ready. If you go to gracefellowship.online, you go to our Lemersville page, there's a button there that says, I'm ready. Click on that. It gives a a clear explanation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's there's, uh, buttons there that you can push that will reach out to us as pastors if we can help uh, meet with you and explain more about the gospel to you. Don't put it off. Don't wait for a better time. Right now is the best time because none of us know how much sand is left at the top. For those of us who do, Know where our soul, like when the when the sand is done pouring from the top to the bottom, and we know where our soul is going to be when that happens. When the last grain falls to the bottom, because of your faith in Jesus Christ, you know where your soul will go. Then my challenge to you, my my challenge to my own heart is to be intentional about looking for these blessings, looking for these opportunities that God places in our lives, has prepared in advance for us every day to stop wishing for better days to come. Your best days are right now. So fight this this urge to fast forward your life to this different season, uh, to move past the season that you're in. Don't miss the blessings. Don't miss the opportunities that are right here in front of you, where your feet are in this moment, in this season of your life. Stop wishing that you were somewhere else, whether it's in a conversation with someone or a boring business meeting or or, or even in something really good like a a worship service. Just be present in whatever moment you find yourself in. Engage your heart. Engage your mind. Give, Give God and whoever you're with your best. And Stop worrying about tomorrow. Nothing wrong with planning. Jesus said, don't worry, don't walk in fear of what if. Let's finish with this. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I think it's up here. Let's say it out loud together. Ready? This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Let's live this week like we believe that's true.